This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Dr. Brian Caswell, acupuncture physician, who during his near-death experience went on a journey back home. Dr. Brian, thanks for joining me and welcome. Hey, how are you doing? Great. Thanks for asking. Brian, if you don't mind, can we start on the day that your NDE happened and go from there? Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, to give a little background, um, I'm in Florida now. I grew up here, uh, but we moved to Tennessee. And um, during that time, we would kind of go back and forth between uh, here and Tennessee as we were looking for property and looking for uh, um, uh, land. And so we would um, drive around and look for different things to do, the myself and my family, and we would find uh, rivers or woods and things to hike in. And uh, we finally moved. And so it was summer. I was 14 years old. And we went to one of our, it became one of the uh, more favorite places to, to swim. And it was a, it was a decent sized river. It was in the mountains of East Tennessee. And we got there and, um, you know, pretty standard. We, you know, set up the little area that we were sitting with and got into the water and it, near this area, there was a, a, a waterfall and, um, it wasn't huge, but it was probably if, if anyone knows the different classes of rapids, it was probably about a, you know, a class three. It was a good size drop. Um, it was probably about a six foot drop, seven foot drop. But uh, what made it kind of unique is it is it came off of the um, the, the the river there and, and dropped and it was kind of came into this area that it was a bunch of rocks, but almost this large boulder was almost like it had been carved. So it made this very unique kind of pattern of a, of a swirling pattern. And on the outside of it there, there was a, a path where the water would kind of shoot out. So when we first got there, and we, we have to remember that this river is pretty large. So we had been to the river before, but we had never been to this location. And um, my parents at the time were sitting on the rocks, and you had to kind of swim out just a little bit to get to this area. And um, there was a large boulder. So if you were sitting on the on this, we will call it the shore, you really wouldn't be able to see what was going on past that boulder. And uh, I remember my sister and I had swam over to the rock and there was these this group of kids and they were over on that one side and they were jumping in and, and the water would kind of push them out and they would kind of ride this jet stream of water down a little ways and then they would come back out and they would get to the shore and they would 
walk back up through the woods and get back into that little shoot again. You know, and so I watched it a couple of times and, um, you know, my sister and I, and she had kind of gone back. She was like, well, that's, you know, that's probably, you know, I'm done. <laughs> and, and I had done it and it was fun. And I was like, all right, you know, and it was pretty cool. I'd done it a couple of times. And then in my infinite wisdom, I was thinking, well, um, you know, if, if it's fast here, it's probably a lot faster back where the waterfall is dropping. And so I remember sitting on the rock and I put my feet in the water and I just kind of inching towards the, towards the whirlpool looking area there. And, and I remember just sliding in. And uh, as soon as I slid in, it was like someone had taken my feet and just yanked them. And it was so abrupt that I, I, I mean, I knew what, what I knew what happened, but I I was I was like, whoa, you know, and and I had popped up on the other side, and I was coming around uh, uh, again around this circle, and one of the gentlemen that was standing there with these with these uh, young boys, I tried to grab his hand, and it was like you know, like you see in the movies, it was just it was right there. And I had went back around again, and then I had sucked down. And I came back up uh, what I believed to be again, and I, it was the same thing, only this time I wasn't as close to him as this time. It was I was more in the center of this whirlpool. And that was that was it. and I have I was pulled down. and I just, it was, again, if you've never swam in a mountain stream, it's cold. It's really cold. And the one thing that I immediately knew was, yeah, I'm, I'm in trouble. And it was, even though it was daytime, you know, when you got under there, it was dark. And the, the sound was just brutal. It was, it was the loudest. It was just this all-encompassing sound of just water and the one thing that sticks out with me because I can close my eyes and think of it like it was yesterday was the sound of the rocks tumbling under the water and that's a sound that you know it's like a car crash it's like a lot of times people don't maybe they remember it but the one thing they often do remember is the is the sound of the metal or the crash happening and so that was one of the things that really stuck out was the sound of these rocks tumbling under the water and just the viciousness of this thing. And I can remember being circulated and, and not, not knowing what up was up and down and all of these different things. And so there was no concept of, of even a, a thought of how to get out of this thing. And when you're under there or when you're, and it's taken me many years to sit and digest this, obviously. But when I was under there, you almost, it's something that's very strange that happens. It's like you, you come to a place where there's fear. There's tremendous amounts of fear. And of course, drowning 
is is intense, of course. And so you're holding your breath and holding your breath and holding your breath and there's fear and then there's these thoughts. And then as you're thinking these thoughts, you're still trying to struggle to breathe. And then there's this realization that I can remember having of thinking to myself, like, man, this is this is it. Like this is this is really how it's gonna go down. And there's something when it happens right there. It's like it, there's a difference between thinking about it on a daily basis or a weekly basis and say, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to die and someday I'm going to die. And I mean, we're all going to die. It's, you know, it's one of those things. But it's very different when you're facing it and you know it. And so there's almost this internal dialogue that starts to form and this internal dialogue of this is it. This is my time man, there's so much I wanted to do. There's so much I wanted to see and do. And what about my parents? And what about, I mean, they're right there. They're right across this, this boulder. What about everything? I mean, I'm not going to see five minutes from now. I'm not going to see next year. I'm not going to see any of this. And so this is all going through my mind. And so there's this weird thing that happens of realizing you're going to die. And there's almost this weird acceptance. And, and it's, you, you have almost this acceptance of death. And almost when I kind of had that acceptance, I immediately was, <clears throat> and I've tried to explain this over the years, it was also, it was almost as if time had completely stopped and i was this very small thing and i was sitting inside of this massive almost like i was put in the center of this huge sphere and i was in the center of this sphere and Let's pretend that this sphere is the size of a football stadium, but it's a football stadium, completely circular, spherical. And all around, if I look out, there's these little television screens. And so wherever I look, if I'm down, if I'm up, if I'm looking everywhere, there's these television screens. And because there's no time, I was able to look at every single screen and relive that moment in time for as long as I wanted. And, but I was able to relive all of them at the same time if I wanted to. I, I was able to zero in on one, but at the same time, I could go to four of them and live them at the four moments of time. And what was very unique was the sense of it. I was able to relive it from not only my perspective, but the individuals that I was dealing with. And, and since this has happened, I've listened to other NDEs and there seems to be many people have had that same experience. So it's a very, it's almost this point of judgment. So I think in a lot of the different religions over the time I was raised Catholic is that there is this point of judgment, right? There's this time of judgment and you're going to be judged on everything you've done. And so in that sense, yes, I was judged. 
but I was judging myself from a place of non-ego. And so if I'm sure your listeners know this, but if people don't, I mean, the ego is almost like this personality. It's our defense mechanism. It's kind of what saves us from being human. Um, but it's a very human thing. And so as I was reliving these moments, I was reliving them from a place of an, of an observer. I was like, simply like, oh, I probably could have said that differently. I could have done that differently. And I, and I felt, it was weird. I felt pain if I had done things or said things that I probably shouldn't have or had done differently or should have done differently maybe. I felt pain, but it wasn't like a, a human pain. It was like a, an ex, like a, it was almost like, it's okay. Like just realize that this might've not been the right course of action. What was also interesting is I was seeing things that I couldn't even remember now, but I knew that I was experiencing them at the time when I was a child or an infant. And then I saw things in the future. You know, I saw things that hadn't happened yet. I, I saw me older. I saw, um, you know, people that I hadn't met, places that I hadn't gone yet, all of these different things. But again, didn't make any sense. But that went on for, again, what seemed to be infinite. There was, there was, if I wanted to spend more time there, I could have. But whatever I had to do was, I, I guess, accomplished. I had reviewed everything I needed to review, gone through all of the choices, had a download of lessons of what I could have done and maybe done and what I could possibly do in a future situation. And then instantly I was breathing again and I was, I was breathing and I was, I was like, okay, great. I'm, I'm good. Thank God. I don't know what in the heck just happened, but I'm, but I'm good. And I'm just breathing and I'm, and I'm happy. And I'm like, all right, I'm taking these giant breaths in. And then as I'm doing that, I'm, you know, I'm kind of looking like this and, and I'm looking down and I see that same guy and I see another guy now and they're looking, they're walking around this, this water, they're looking around and they're, and they're, and they're talking to other individuals, basically saying, Hey, there's a kid down here and we can't get him." And so I'm watching that. And, and, and again, it's like, I, I'm watching and I know I'm down there, I guess, but then at the same time, I'm like, I'm not down there and man, it sucks to be that kid. And so it was this, it was the sense of being removed from this body. But when I was in that state, I was very curious and I was still me. I was still Brian. And then as I was watching, I, I kind of looked over and I saw my parents behind that boulder and they're hanging out and they're fine. And I saw my sister and she was in one of those little waiting areas and they were fine. And they had no idea what was going on. And as I kept raising up, I, I got to what appeared to be the tree line. And when I got up to the tree line, there was this... Um, I mean, it literally, it was literally like a, a doorway. It was like, and, and it just opened and it was like Star Trek looking. <laughs> and, 
And I didn't get sucked through. I just kind of passed through. And as soon as I passed through, I was, I was in this infinite nothingness. And I had the way that I described it before was I'm a sci-fi nerd. I mean, I love science fiction and stuff. And it's, it's almost as if, if you took us, took a starship or whatever, and went all the way out to the center of the universe and you got dropped off and they shot away and left you. It was that vast. It was, it was this vastness. And, but what was also interesting as I noticed is I had zero fear. In fact, it was, I felt so unbelievably comfortable that it didn't make sense. It was, it was so comfortable, so wonderful. And it was, which was odd because it was such a vast space that you think you would feel like a speck of dust. But I didn't. And I remember specifically floating around in this space. And I took my left hand and I put it on my right arm. And I was like, oh man, I was like, I can, I can feel myself. I'm a, cause I, I had, I, now I knew I was no longer in my body and I knew that I was something else. And, but it was very interesting because I felt myself. I felt, I literally felt myself. I'll never forget it. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I can't wait to tell people that you can feel ghosts. <laughs> I was like, ghosts are real. People who cross over are real. Like, I can't wait to tell everyone. And it, it's not, you know, it's not whatever, woo-woo. And as I was kind of exploring my arm, um, I looked out and, and again, I, it was these pinpricks of light everywhere. It was, but there was one light in particular that kind of stuck out and it was way off in the distance. And I remember kind of putting my attention to it and looking at it. And the second I kind of put my attention to it, I started moving towards it and it, it, it didn't appear very fast. It was just more of like a, like a gentle tug. It was, and there was nothing that was being said or anything like that. It was just like, you know, we're, we're going to go on a ride and you're going to come here. And, but what I noticed was as I was moving towards this, this light, the feeling that started to come over me was number one, it was a warmth, but again, and this is hard to explain in human terms, but it was almost like a warmth that um, was all encompassing at the same time. Like if you go out, if I go outside right now, the sun's shining and I stand up and I look at, and I'm not looking at the sun, but I'm sun's in my face. My back's going to be shaded right? I'm going to feel different in my back as my front. This was different. This was as if my entire body was getting all warm at the same time at, at every level. And as I got closer to this light source, I also noticed that this, this feeling of uh, love started to come over me. And this was very interesting too, again, trying to explain this. When you say love, it's like, oh, I love you. I, I love you too. And okay. And uh, this was, um, th this, this was different. This was like, um, 
This was a love that hit me on every level. This was a love that was the purest love and and without anything tied to it. it there was no fear. There was no shame. There was no guilt because that, all of those emotions, those ego-like emotions did not exist on that, on whatever frequency wave or whatever dimension I was in, whatever that was, did just, it didn't exist there. It's just like, if I if if the color red didn't exist and someone tried to tell me what red was, I would have no concept of what red was because it it didn't exist. So fear and all of those negative emotions that we experience here on Earth that we try to get through or think through or breathe through or uh, whatever, <laughs> drug ourselves to 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 get away. That did not exist. And so as I'm moving towards this light, which is now. I can feel on every core of my being. I started to feel this permeation of love and acceptance. And the closer I got, the more intense it got. And it was, I don't want to say it was overwhelming because it, it, it wasn't because everything was right. But I would say if it was a human interaction, it would have been too much. It would have been, way too much for for one human to experience. And as I got closer, it was as if every single cell, atom, molecule of my body was fusing with this light. And as that was happening, I became aware of everything. And, and I became aware of the universe as a whole, to, 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 to different souls, to people, to energies, to, to all timelines, to everything that had ever been, I was aware of. And I was able to, to sit with that with a comfortable knowing that not only was this right, that this was the this was the truth. Like this was the, um, the real story. Like this was the real side. Like I had been living in a illusion for those 14 years and I had been broken out of the illusion and this was the real place. And it was such a knowing that it was like, my God, how could I have ever forgotten? Like, how did I not know that this was here? And so again, I'm millions of thoughts going through my mind as, as I'm experiencing this. Finally, I get to this, I kind of land, I call it, I almost like kind of like land at this pad of, of, I don't know, like a room. And in this room, there was this door and it's funny, the door looks like the wall that I built behind me, which I didn't realize until after I built it, uh, which was very interesting. But there was a, a door that looked like the wood behind me, only it was an oval-looking door. And as soon as I kind of landed at this door, I could see the light coming through the uh, cracks of the wood. And that light 
was even more intense than what I was experiencing. It, it was so if you can wrap your head around that one for a minute, the light that as I, I was experiencing, where I was experiencing the almost the totality, to, the total aspect of everything, that was nothing compared to what was beyond that door. So as I landed there, there was, I'll never forget, it was right off to my left-hand side. There was a voice and it just said, um, welcome home, Brian. And I said, it's so good to be home. You know, in my mind, I was like, what the heck took you guys so long? Like, I was like, my God, you know, and, and I, and I just, I, I knew that I was home. And not only that, I knew everything was perfect. Everything was ex exactly the way it was supposed to be. And then as I'm standing there in front of this doorway, I started thinking about my parents. I started thinking about my friends and, and everything in my whole life. And I'm just running these scenarios in my head. I'm like, they'll be fine. Like the, I'll see them very soon and they'll be perfectly fine. And I'm home. Why wouldn't they be happy for me? Like why, why there, there's no, there's no reason to have any sadness because I'm home. And again, because I've told patients this one, not all of them, but sometimes patients whose loved ones have crossed. And I was like, when you're on that vibration, you don't have any feelings of sadness or sorrow or fear that doesn't exist there. So the only thing that you're, the only scope, the only lens that you're looking through is love. And it's a love that not only am I, not only is the source in front of me, I am that source. So I am a, 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 a simple photon, but I am as a much part of the source as the source is me. And, and that's the part where I wasn't so much going to God in the sense of the old man on a throne or, or whatever. I was returning back to a source energy that I was a part of, but this entity or this source being was infinite. It was infinite and, and we had done this a bazillion times we've done this routine. And it was like I was just coming back and probably going to get sent back out. So when I was thinking about them, I was like, they're fine. It's okay. I'll see them quickly enough. And so this voice was, uh, again, off to my left-hand side, and, and it said, um, well, Brian, would you, would you like to stay or would you like to go? And I said, um, again, I was like, I'm, I'm home. Like, why would I ever want to leave? And they said, I, I'm sorry, Brian, there, there is, um, this is not your time. There is much you need to do. And it was said exactly like that. It's not your time. There's much you need to do. And the second I was getting ready to go, because I was almost like, oh, oh no. <laughs> like, and I was reaching out for that door. And 
next thing I know, I was um, back. Sorry. I was back in my body. And um, it was, um, it's, it's like when, when you experience um, that level of connection, like when you experience that intimate level of love and acceptance and you're you're put back into this uh very small uh i joke around that i'm like flesh suit when you're put back into this small flesh suit uh it's i mean the word is it's brutal it's brutal it's um you know, and and I think too, because I've had many years to think about it, that being the age of 14 and having that experience, you know, um, it was almost too much. It was, um, I, I think I, I think I lost um, innocence that day. And um, because I was sh I was shown infinity, and it was taken away, and so that, for me, kind of set the stage for um, the next twenty some odd, however many years of. I was like, I knew a secret and, and, and I knew something that other people didn't know. And, and this was back in the very early nineties. So it doesn't really, you know, you, you didn't really talk about it. And, and again, I, I grew up Roman Catholic and it wasn't the traditional story of, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't see Jesus. I didn't um, see anybody like that there. And, um, but for me, it was such a, um, it was such an amazing experience that I kept most of it to myself. I, I didn't, um, I didn't want to tell anybody. I mean, I told a couple of people here and there, but I, I didn't want to tell many people. So I kept it to myself and, uh, every so often I, if it was a very good friend of mine or something like that, I would tell them. But um, I, it, it was, it was something that was very near and dear to me. But it's something that only I experienced, so therefore I didn't think anyone would understand. And so, as I kept progressing through life, as the years ticked by, I. Um, I was, you know, I wasn't because people are like, well, did, were you suicidal? Did you want to kill yourself? No, it wasn't like that. It was, it was as if um, nothing in this world meant much. And it was very, um, I, I became um, 
I was able to feel people too much. I was able to, um, it, it caused a lot of social anxiety. Like I would get into a room with people and I could feel them. Um, and I know that sounds weird. And again, I didn't really tell many people that, but I would just go away or I would make an excuse or, um, so I spent a lot of times outside. So, and I think that that was the beautiful thing about growing up. Well, spending most of my time when we had moved to Tennessee, I would just walk by myself in the woods and I would, you know, I would lay down in the grass and that to me was how I found comfort, but I had no desire to accumulate any wealth or material things. I had friends. I loved my friends and stuff like that. But again, there's always this thing in the back of my mind, like, okay, you know, this is the illusion. This is the part that, you know, we're making friends and we're talking, but you know, um, you know, this is, this isn't the real world, so to speak. And so that went for pretty much most of my adult life. And I, I think it caused me to bounce around from different uh, careers and jobs and things like that. I was always searching for this answer because again, and this is something I had spoken with the other day with, uh, I was on another podcast speaking about this and um, it was, I, I didn't really, um, I felt guilty because here I was at the, whatever this was, the foot of this giant door of, of going into being connected with source. And, and here I was with this angelic being or whoever it was telling me that I had a lot to do and I had so much more to do. And, and here I was, uh, for instance, you know, I was a car salesman out of college because I, I, you know, I was, I got a job there and it was one of those things. And so here I am as a car salesman. Is that what I'm supposed to be doing? And then from there, I worked at an airline. From there, I actually became a carpenter. Um, I started building houses. And and I, in, in the back of my mind this whole time, I'm like, you know, why am I back? Like, what's, what's the point? What, what's the grand thing I'm supposed to be doing? Uh, why was I brought back? And, and so that was always with me. And so for me, I loved my jobs. Of, I loved the people in the jobs. That was kind of my thing. The, the, um, I learned tremendous amount being a car salesman. I did. I learned a tremendous amount. I loved those relationships. I learned tremendous amount about being a carpenter and working with wood. I was able to build my own clinic. Um, but there was always that overriding factor of there must be something larger I should be doing. And so when the economy crashed in 2008, um, um, uh, it was, again, it was perfect timing, it seemed, to, to, to have a child. <laughs> Not really, but that's how it kind of happened. And so I remember I was speaking with my uncle one night on my birthday, and I, I didn't have a job for eight months. Couldn't get a job because I was in it, George Atlanta at the time, and the market had crashed, and nobody wanted any houses built or, or could anything. There was nothing to be built. Everything was crashing. And so I remember speaking with my uncle and um, he had mentioned, you know, you should go back to school. You should, you should go back to school. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm 
whatever, 28, 29, whatever I was at the time. And he goes, well, you know, you should think about it. And he was talking about going back to um, Chinese medical school or because or, that's what he used to do here in the state of Florida. And so I thought about it. And um, uh, long story short, I ended up making the decision to go. Never thought in a million years I would. We packed up our family. We moved to Asheville, North Carolina, and I started this program. And the program would, again, I, I, I truly believe we're guided. I do. I believe we're guided in our choices. That doesn't mean we don't have free will, and it doesn't mean we can't change the way that we think about our situation. But I also think that since we're thinking about it, we also create our reality. So in the sense, we're being guided by our thoughts as well. So I had the, the wonderful um, opportunity to learn under uh, Master Jeffrey Yuen. He's an 88th generation Taoist priest. And so the school is modeled um, after him. He's still alive. He still teaches there. But kind of the, the scope of the school is a Taoist-based classical Chinese medical school. So it deals with mysticism and uh, doesn't mean we can't treat shoulder pain or hip pain or fibromyalgia. It's just if, if, if we want to or the patient desires, we're able to work on things that could be, you know, some deep level stuff for people. And it's, it's the Taoist based internal alchemical schools of, of thought. And so I'll never forget, um, I was sitting in one of his lectures and I'm writing furiously and all of a sudden he just kind of goes off on this tangent about near-death experiences. And I was like, what? So I'm, I'm listening. And he said something that was very profound. And he said that having the opportunity to have a near-death experience, if one had the life review, excuse me, if you, if you had the life review during the near-death experience, what happened was you were karmically cleansed of that portion of your life and you came back as a changed soul into the same body. And he also said, like, it basically made it out, like, what a gift. Like, it was the first time that it didn't seem like a curse. It was the first time where I was like, okay, maybe that's why I didn't feel like I was in the same body. Like, I... That was me, but I wasn't me. I came back a changed me. Like I knew things that I shouldn't have known. I felt things that I shouldn't have felt. Like I, but when he said that, it was this moment I was like, it was, it had totally reframed my entire feeling and thought process about that near death experience. And for the first time, I had seen it as a gift rather than a curse. And so I took that. And as I graduated, I opened a clinic. Um, I embraced this journey that I had been on. I was, I had went home again. I was able to change. I was able to review. I was able to come back. And again, it was one of these things where we could talk about it maybe a little bit later, but um, I think one of the things too was 
during COVID when I closed my businesses and then I reopened. I think we have to descend into a dark spot. I think we all have to have those dark nights of the souls. I think we have to relive, or I, I think we have to go to those places. It doesn't mean we all have to have a near-death experience, but we, we have to have these relationships that break us down. We have to have these events that shake us to the core. We have to have these things that have us question our absolute reason for being here. And I think at the end of it, it seemed as if at least this seems to be what it is now for me. I'm not on this grand mission. I, 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 my main goal is to is to almost invite that energetic aspect of love that I felt over there and just provide that for my patients, my friends, my family, and just live life with passion. And I just try to serve others however that looks like. It doesn't matter if you're a mechanic, a plumber, a, a doctor, any of that. I think as long as you're showing up, you're you're talking to people, you're meeting them eye to eye, you're you're greeting them, you're you're genuinely wanting to be in their presence and speak with them and, and act like a fellow human being. I think really that's what it's about. I mean, really, when I had the near-death experience and I was reviewing those moments of my life, the things that I was reviewing that stuck out the most was when I was doing simple acts of kindness with people. I mean, it it wasn't the graduating from schools and this, those are amazing. But the things that stuck out the most that had the most impact that I could close my eyes and remember is when I did little things for people and and what that impact did for their lives. And so just to kind of wrap it up, I I I'm I've I believe that this journey has allowed me to shed and grow and shed and grow some more. And I look at my life now as an adventure. Um, I'm not afraid to die. I'm in no hurry to, I'm in no hurry to get there. I want to live life to the fullest. I wake up just about every day, not, not always, but most of the time I wake up like, what can I do today? That's a little bit better than I did yesterday. And how can I truly live my life as an adventure and make the most of it? Because believe it or not, it, 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 it is a lot faster than it would appear. And um, we're all going to get to that, to that other side soon enough. Is it an internet thing? I don't know. I mean, most people will probably say yes, but there was one point where your screen kept flashing green. What's amazing. And I don't want to say, I mean, I, this is one of those things was there was a moment in time when I started to tell that story and I could tell that I wasn't the only one telling it. Mm. It was, and it doesn't always happen, but sometimes when I tell that story to certain individuals or certain patients and they really need to not only hear the story, but it feel the feeling of this, of what I felt that the lights in my clinic sometimes flicker the, and so it's one of those where I, I, I can't, I can't just point at a light and make it do that, but it, I, I've noticed that things like that happen when that feeling comes over me. And while I was telling that story in the beginning, I didn't really have it. I was telling it and I was like, okay, you know, and, and then all of a sudden I was there and 
it was almost like this shift took over and I hope I didn't ramble too much. No, you were great. Who do you think would be the being that's telling the story with you? I have no idea. I have no idea. Is it possible it was that angel that you encountered during your NDE? Possibly. It's very interesting. And and this is one of the things, too, where I, you know, well, I guess I'm getting ready to tell everybody. Um, is that, and I'm sure there's many people out there that have had these experiences, but I've had many angelic experience. I call them angelic experiences of individuals that have come up to me throughout my life and have either said something or they've redirected me or they have told me something and then they show up and then they walk away, but they know who I am. They know my story. They, they often say the same thing. They often say God is always watching or we are always watching. They'll say that. That's been about five occurrences that I can think of off the top of my head where these individuals have come. I had one when I worked at a, <laughs> at, I was a furniture salesman too. So I was a furniture salesman. I had one, I had two show up at the car lot. I had one show up at a restaurant I was working at. No, two, one in Knoxville and one in Ohio. I had one that stopped me on the side of the road in Knoxville, literally walked across the street. And they just, um, it's like whenever there's a major decision that I need to make or that I've been thinking about, they'll come up and they'll, they'll say something. They'll be like, like the one lady in, in, um, do I have time to tell that story? Sure. Right before I made that decision to go to Chinese medical school, I was working at a furniture store because that's literally the only place that would hire me back then during the, the, uh, the economy. And um, I'll never forget it. I was searching for schools online and there was this, uh, there was this, these customers that came in and it was my up, right? So when you're in sales, it's your up. And I didn't want them. I was, you know, I was busy researching my, my future to get out of that place. And no one else would take them and there really wasn't anybody around. And so I stood up and went over and introduced myself. And it was, um, I'll never forget her. It was a man and a woman and uh, two uh, black uh, African-American individuals. And um, she was, um, she, if you've seen, um, Oh, what's the movie? Um, the Marvel movie, the Wakanda. I, I, anyway, I'm losing it. But there's one of the ladies in there that kind of looks like this lady did, and she had she had no hair. It was shaved very short, and she had on this. Um, this is going to sound so bizarre, but she came in with this white dress, and um, she had like these beads on her neck, and she had like this little sash belt looking thing and um she came in and and she um just locked eyes with me i mean just absolutely locked eyes and the guy behind her was was just walking and he had the he was a younger guy 
the greatest look on his face. I mean, he just looked like he was just happy to be there. He didn't say a word, but he would just had this look on his face. And the way that this lady looked at me, I shook her hand. And, and as soon as I shook her hand, she just kind of, you know, smirked at me. And she said, almost like she was, I don't know. She was, she knew something that I didn't. And uh, she had this like coy look on her face. And she's like, hi, I'm, I'm here to buy a couch. And I was like, she goes, a leather couch, a red leather couch. And I was like, oh, okay. And so, of course, I'm thinking, all right, this is, is going to be nice for me. This is a nice commission. So I took her over to the, to the leather section of the store. And we're picking out where I'm showing her these different swatches of leather. <laughs> and again, the guy's, the guy, this guy's standing behind her. And he's holding like, he, he's, he's like, he's holding this, this thing in his hand. It's like this, it almost looks like a, like a like a pamphlet or a book or something like that, but it I I can't completely remember what it was now because I was so fixated on her. And she's looking at me, and and I don't think there's a moment in time when she even looked at the leather. She was focused dead on me. And there was other customers that were walking around, and we're at the front of the store. The checkout was right there, and um, she looked at me and she goes, she's like why are you here, Brian? And I go, like, what? And she's, and she's like, why, why are you here? And I'm like, I work here. Like, I'm, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't understand the question. I'm like, I'm working. I don't know what you're saying. She goes, no, Brian. She goes, why are you here? And you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I just literally, and time stopped. And it was that, again, like the, when I crossed over that moment in time and people have experienced that, like when you have a car crash or something like that, if, if time literally stopped and not only did it stop, the people around just started doing this and they were walking really slow and it's like, but it was just her and I, like even the guy was there, but it was like a, he was blurred out of a lens and she, it was like, she was looking right through to me and she was like, why are you here? She's like, you're wasting time. And I was like, well, I'm afraid. And she's like, why? She's like, there's, there's no reason to be afraid. She's like, you know what you need to do. I was like, I know, but I have a family. I, I would be moving to a different state. I said, I don't know how I'm going to pay for any of this. And as soon as I was like mulling about in my own misery, she took her hand and put it on my forehead and she started speaking in Chinese. Just, or I'm guessing it was Chinese. It sounded Chinese again. Yeah, I'm just a guy in Douglasville, Georgia. And she's loud. And again, no one heard us. That was the crazy, like I'm sitting here, I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't know what's happening. And she pulls her hand off my head and she's like, you will sign up for that school. You will go to Chinese medical school. You will graduate and you will be a healer. And I was like, and I never told her anything about Chinese medicine. I didn't tell her any of this, nothing. And I said, I was basically like, uh, okay. Like, and she just looked at me and she's like, okay. And Obviously, they didn't, there was nothing that happened with the couch. 
they turned and they started to leave. And I said, and I started following them. And then I started to feel like that same feeling of when I got pulled out of the, the light, I started feeling like that love feeling was going again. And I started to rush up to them and I'm like, like, please, I was, and again, it sounds kind of corny when I'm saying it out loud, but I was like, please don't go. And, um, she was like, she's like, don't, she goes, um, she's like, don't worry. She's like, and she just kind of looked at me. She's like, uh, she's like, don't worry. She's like, we're always watching. She's like, we're always watching. She's like, you don't need to be sad. And then that one guy still hadn't said a word, comes around, hugs me. She hugs me. They turn around and they walk out. And I just remember standing there in this furniture store and I'm watching these two people walk out and I'm like, my God, like, but I knew, and I remember texting my wife at the time, I said, I'm going to apply. And that was the beginning. That's what started it. And so it's one of those things where what's crazy, Jeff, is like, even though I've had all of those experiences, I've, I still somehow doubt you know, I'm doing the right thing or I'm making the right decision or I'm, should I be doing this? Or I worry about money or everything else that everyone else worries about and my kids and this. And I, of course I worry about it, but I've had so many instances of these watchers or these beings that it's like, I wonder to myself when I'm quiet, I'm like, why do I worry so? Like, why do I, why would I have to worry when I know that they're watching? And so anyway, it's just, it's, it's something that it's been so much a part of me for the longest part of me that I don't know what really life is like without it or without that experience. You mentioned during your life review that you saw your future did you bring back any of those memories of the future with you? No, no, I didn't. And that's, what's very interesting, but, but, and this is the weird part. Okay. And I'm going to try to explain it like this because again, I've had plenty of time to think about it. <laughs> I, when I drive by a place or I think about a place, what generally ends up happening is it comes to pass. When I think about a person, when I think about doing a podcast, when I think about all of these different things, when I think about certain people that I'm supposed to meet, I'm thinking about it from a dream, like not like a daydream, like, oh, I, I would always joke with, um, with Ashley, I would say like, I was like, oh, you know, I, I can't wait to sit on the couch next to Oprah and tell her the story about how I, you know, and you know, it's just funny. And, and I'm just putting that, you know, I'm just saying it's kind of funny. But when I say certain things like this, I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to have a clinic right here? Three years later, I do. Wouldn't it be nice if I met the owner of that restaurant? So bing, bing, bing. Six months later, I meet him. So it's like, it's almost like I can see it 
but I can't force it. It's almost like I'm it's it's unveiling like a flip book. Like it's like I I quickly saw the flip book and now I have to go back through the flip book page by page. Because trust me, I would play lottery numbers if I if I could do that. But you know, it's it's interesting in the sense that everything that I've not everything, but most of the things that I've thought about, and if it's a recurring thought, it often comes to pass. So is that from the near-death experience? I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. I just remember when I saw my future self, I, was, I saw different variations of myself. And I did see up to the age, I'm guessing, of, I don't know, 80, 90, something like that. I, was, I had a pretty awesome beard, a lot grayer than it is now. But I saw myself as these different kind of uh, parts of me but nothing in particular. Are you saying that you are catching glimpses of the future or are you creating the future? That's a fantastic question. I don't know. I, have n I, I don't know how to answer that because I'm a strong believer of creating your reality. I, I really am. And so it's one of those, I've thought about that as well. Um, I remember I went to this this seminar years ago when I was a I was building decks in Atlanta. I went to this seminar. It cost me like three hundred bucks, which was like a half of what was in my bank account. And it was these this three day event on weekend. It was two days, two day event, and it was this life seminar thing. And I was I had never thought about anything like that before. But I'll never forget, I'll, I'm not going to tell the whole story, but at the end of the event, it was very emotional for me in the sense that I was, I felt like I was with doing something that had finally aligned. And at the end of this event, you were supposed to take a stake and you're supposed to drive it into the center of this sand, right? They had it in this big circle and everyone had to kind of declare, you know, what they were going to set forth for their, for their next stage of, of, of life. And I remember we were going around the circle and it was the end of the, the, the three days or whatever, how many days it was together. And it came up to me and I still had no concept of what I was going to do. So I was getting very nervous, you know, and I was like, you know, there's a bunch of people and everyone else knows what they want to do. And I don't know what I want to do. And, and so I just remember I took the staff and I was walking towards the center and I, and as I swung up the staff and I stabbed it into the sand, it says, I'm going to be a healer. And it just came out. And I knew without a shadow of a doubt that that was my kind of focus. And so, again, was I creating, have I created life from that point forward? Do we all do that? Am I, am I seeing things or, I, or am I tapped into a point where I'm able to create reality that we all can do. We, we're all able to do it. I'm nothing. I'm not special, and and, and I'm not saying that. But um, part of me wants to say that it's a creation process. I, I really do because I think if I could remember it, I could remember it. So I, I I'm going to answer that as I believe it's creation, creation, Jeff. Have you noticed that you've even created negative things in your life? Like, you know, sometimes 
if we're not careful, we daydream bad stuff happening. And, and then as a result, it happens as well. Yes. Yeah, completely. And this is the thing, like if we go back to, you know, the universe doesn't really care what you think about. It's what your energy doesn't care. You know, energy manifests um, how, how, how it sees fit. It just, it, it, it is what it is, you know? And so it's one of those things where um, I, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll be playing a game with myself in my head. Like I'll be driving. The morning sucks, right? Whatever, you know, the shower didn't work or whatever. And this, and next thing you know, you're catching the light and you're doing this and your patients start to cancel or the car. And it's just like, and you just sit back and you're like, like, really? Like all of it on one. I mean, come on, man. And so now that I'm more conscious of that, I'm like, okay. Clearly, I'm tailspinning. Energy doesn't care. So what I'll do is I'll put on some music. I'll put on some 80s pop music, or I'll put on a nice podcast, or I'll put on something like that. I'll, I'll put on some, somebody that I really resonate with who really gets me motivated. Boom. And there's a switch. And, and it's so in my mind, of course, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, did I do that? Like, did I, did I shift my entire day? Did I, did I do that? And I, and I, and I, and I think without a shadow of a doubt, I did. And we do. And, and so, yes, I think that energy doesn't care. And so I think that even with Master Ewan used to say, or he still says it, but what he used to tell us is the best thing a practitioner can do, the best thing a healer can do is self cultivation, right? You have to self cultivate. So we ourselves are not healing. So when I put down that thing and I said, I'm a healer, I'm not healing anyone. I'm creating a healing presence by working on myself. And so that's a very Taoist perspective of like, okay, what can I do in my world to, to get a little bit better, 1% better every bit, every day? What can I do to get on a higher vibration, to keep those higher vibration thoughts, to manifest the next phase that I'm looking for in order to better myself and to better people around me and better by patients or partners or what, whatever the case may be. But it's, it's all through self-cultivation. And there's been many times in my life where I've been at very dark, low places, depression, anxiety, and all of that. And, and it's one of those things where sometimes all it takes is a single thought to just have a little spark of positivity and say like, okay, I'm, I'm literally going to go outside today and I'm going to put my feet in the grass. And if that's all I do today, that's fine. But it's that one positive momentum. And once that seemingly starts, I think the creation process starts to go in towards your, in your favor, I'll say, rather than a reactionary one. So I hope that answers your question. I know that was a long response. Did Master Ewan ever teach how to help people who are grieving over the loss of others? And if so, what did he teach? So a lot of our stuff, um, we have different channel systems. And I'm looking over here because I'm looking at for my books. There's different channel systems in Chinese medicine, Taoist Chinese, Taoist classical channels one of one set is called the eight extraordinaries so the eight extraordinaries are off of the 12 prime meridians and so some people will know the prime meridians is like liver spleen heart 
um, all of those. And again, those work great. There's nothing wrong with those. But the, the eight extraordinaries are what we would call internal alchemy. So the, it's literally, you know, the philosopher's stone and all of these things. It's about turning lead into gold. But the, the, but the original concept of the Tao is, was turning the lead of Jing essence, which is, is held in the kidneys, which is the very dark, viscous aspect of who we are. And it's transforming that through the heart up through the head, through Shen. Through, so that's this from lead blackness to, to gold. And so in knowing that, the way that he spoke with us and with other, I'm, I'm assuming his patients over time, was that death is not death. He, there's, when he talked about it, he, he might as well be talking about the, you know, what happened to him next week. There's absolutely no doubt in his mind, the way that he spoke about it and still probably does, that death is simply a different phase. It's a different phase. And he would even speak about the different um, um, immortals over timelines of Chinese medicine, how some of these individuals were able to see different things. They were able to see the plants as entities. They were able to see the meridian lines. Like where did the, excuse me, where did the meridian lines come from? How did we know that Renshen, ginseng does what it does? How do we know that Huangqi astragalus does what it does? Is it through effort and empirical research? Maybe. Is it through tapping into a vibrational aspect of that plant? Maybe. So there's one channel in particular that deals with an individual who's crossing over, and it is um, uh, Yang Wei Mai. And so I believe it's, uh, I think it's kidney nine, if I'm not mistaken. I, I hope I'm right. <laughs> but kidney nine, the, 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 it's called guest house. And so it's crossing over. A lot of times he would go to the bedside of, of, his, of his patients or, or he would be called in. And he'll do these almost like a last rites from a Taoist priest perspective. But one of the things would be to either call attention to or to needle kidney nine. And kidney nine is, uh, it's about five inches up from the, from the medial uh, ankle bone, up in this kind of the center of the leg here. And the name is Guest House. And what I find so amazing is, I remember the first time I read that point when I was in school, Guest house is being able to review your life without ego. And so when I read that, I was like, okay, like these people were onto something. They, they, there's, they knew. And so he would, he would bring attention to that point to allow that person to review their life without judgment. You're in a get, you're a guest. You're a guest in a house. You're a guest in a body. So you're removing this aspect of guilt and shame and fear and all of that. And you're looking at your life as a, as a review without judgment. And so the, 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 the eight extraordinary meridian of Yang Wei Mai is our attachment to time. And so when you let that person go or you give them permission to leave this timeline, you're giving them permission to take their next journey into the next phase. When you first separated from your body and you were looking at your body from on top of the river, 
you said that you started breathing and started taking breaths, even though it kind of doesn't make sense because you were outside of your body. Do you think on some level you were still putting oxygen into your lungs under the water? I have never thought of that. I have never thought of that. Actually, that's a wonderful question. What I'll say is how I experienced it myself. Like I, what I'm, how I experienced it in that moment was because I was no longer in the physical body and I was no longer struggling to breathe when I actually separated my soul body was breathing. And so when I was above my body and I was looking down at the physical body that I had zero connection to, and that's what's so funny. Like it was like literally a rental car. I got out of it, whatever. It took me where I needed to go. I, whatever. I don't even remember what rental car I had. doesn't matter. It was that insignificant. So my personal body, like the one I have right now had zero meaning to me. And so when I crossed over and I started breathing, it was like I was breathing a new breath into a new being. But the being, I was still me. Like my soul was there, but I was breathing in that vibrational uh, aspect, if that makes sense. Hmm. I recently did a podcast with a gentleman and we talked about the three phases of consciousness and he compared it to water, whereas, you know, water being ice and us being solid were here and then the gaseous form of water is us just pure spirit and i asked him well what is the water form of our body and our consciousness and he said the astral body and i felt like i finally got a good example of that when you said that you were out of your body you were like a ghost but you could actually still feel your body yeah completely and what's interesting is like, I had never heard that before, you know, that, that way that he's described that, but it was, um, when I was in that place, when I reached over and touched my arm and I was in this infinite space, it was like, I was wrapped in a womb. Like I, I was, I was almost like I was in what, like it almost felt like that, even though it was infinite, like I felt like I was in space. It wasn't like an empty space. It was like a wrapping of a womb. So it almost felt liquid in nature. If I had to pick a feeling, maybe that might be it. Um, and I, again, I've never thought of it that way, but I've gone over the thoughts of how could I be out in this vastness and, and feel so secure and safe? When you made it to the room with the door and you were in light and there was more light on the other side of the door, at that point, were you still in that body or were you, or do you feel like mm -hmm. you were pure energy and just spirit? I was still in that body. I was still in that body because I remember standing and I remember standing and I remember, um, you know, again, that voice was like right here and at, I remember seeing my hand go towards the towards the light of 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 that um I, i'm sorry towards the door like i could see my hand doing that so the question always comes in my head i'm like okay like do i become energy once i go past that door like am i still in that physical form of what i am familiar with until i go through that so that's a question i've often asked myself 
and 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 and, and I'm interested in other individuals as well who have maybe whatever gone through that aspect through the door, so to speak. How do you teach your children about religion or spirituality? It's definitely different than the way I was raised. Um, my son, who turns 14 Sunday, um, he, when we first moved down here together, and when him and I moved back, uh, he did go to a Catholic school. Uh, he only went there for two years. And it, I basically just chose it because, um, you know, it was a private school and I just kind of wanted, I had done the whole Catholic school thing. So I figured, anyway, long story short, it didn't work out. <laughs> so we ended up then going to like this very small little school, very um, a, a private, more um, uh, hippie-ish style school, so to speak. Lovely, lovely school. But I was always... Um, and I still am very open. And I always told my son about his heart. You know, I was like, I said, you know, I don't care what you do in life. I don't care who you are. I don't care, you know, whatever you become as far as whatever, whatever you want to be, I support whatever it is. I said, but the one thing I ask you is, is, is to lead with your heart. And I said, if you can do that, everything else will fall into place. And as he's gotten older, he's asked about death because I've talked about it a couple of times. He's, he's heard me say it a couple of times with different people. And I've, and I always tell him, I'm like, there's, there's nothing to be afraid of. You know, it's like, we're, we're definitely returning back to a source energy. And I said, if either one of us cross over before the other, I'll meet you there or you'll meet me there. And so there's no fear. I said, we'll be sad. I said, if you pass on and I'm still here, I'll be very sad. I'll be devastated. Even though I know where you're at. It's just like my best friend who passed over COVID. I think about him every day. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think of him. But I know where he's at, you know. But the human part of me misses him. And so my son, Alexander is his name. He, um, he's very tapped into this aspect that everything is connected. Everything is connected. Everything, thoughts mean things. Our thoughts create things. We talk about manifesting. We talk about, you know, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to do all the sense. That's all okay. Nothing wrong with that. But let's not dwell on any one thing, right? You don't have to dwell on being happy all the time. That's not healthy. We don't want to dwell on being angry all the time. That's not healthy. But it's very conscious that we create our existence because, again, I told you I'm, I believe in that and that everything is connected. And then when we, when we pass on, it's just another beginning. Nothing ends. So that's pretty much where I, pretty much where I go. There's, there's – um, I respect everyone's beliefs of whoever they are. And um, for me, I always just nod my head because it's almost like, you know, it's like for me, for me, again, it's funny because I'm like, okay, that's cool. But like, I, I know what's there. You know, I don't, 
I don't, uh, you can tell me anything you want to tell me and I respect that. And I'll listen to your spiel. <laughs> it's like, but it's like, I, I know that I'm loved. I, I, I'm, I know love more than I could ever imagine. And, um, I'm okay. So I, I'm not, a, I'm not, I don't fear God. I don't fear, um, being whatever, being a, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want to do, I'm not out to hurt anyone, but if people only knew how much they're loved, if, and that's the thing, I don't wish death on anyone, but I was talking to Janine the other day on another podcast. And I said, if anyone, if people could just experience a near death experience, just to experience that we are connected to everyone and anything, if we could experience that for half a second, this world would be completely different. It would be completely different. So yeah, it's, 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 that's where he's at. And that's kind of what I show them and to speak to them about. And, and my girlfriend's children as well is I don't push it too much, but they've asked me cause they know I drown too. And I let them know, I was like, well, you know, it's, you know, I went to a different place and, you know, we kind of keep it light and stuff like that. But if they're curious and ask, I tell them, but nothing is ever pushed. And because I want them to experience their own life and their own journey. But um, yeah, for me, religion is, um, it's funny. It's, it's just another thing that um, we've kind of tried to, you know, put in a, put in a box when um, true religion is uh, love. Really, that's it. Brian, after watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you up yeah. for that? Oh, totally. Of course. Yeah, completely. What's the best way to reach you? Uh, let's see. I, um, I would say probably it would be the website. And it is uh, drbwellnessclinic.com. So drbwellnessclinic.com, drbwellnessclinic.com. And what I'll do is um, I'll... I'll probably go in and re after this podcast, I'll probably go in and, and make like a little banner to put right down there. If, if you want to get in contact with me, then I'll gladly, um, I'll put my email address in there and um, I will gladly talk about it because I know there's so many people that um, probably have a lot of questions and I've, I've had a lot of my questions answered for other things in life that I have no experience with. So I'll gladly answer those. I know you've given us a lot of great information, but before we go, can you give us one last positive message? I think that, and this is something that I've kind of, you know, recently, believe it or not, recently after my friend passed on, I kind of had this rebirth of, my life is an adventure. Our, our lives are adventures. And if we look at them like that, and, and failures are not failures, they're learning experiences. Never stop trying. Never stop giving up. Um, that's something I always tell my son. It's like, don't give up. Do not give up. You're going to fail so many times. It's okay. You are loved. You are accepted. And so for me, 
I, I really try to start every day with trying to be a little bit better than I was yesterday. I don't compare myself to anyone anymore. I don't compare myself to other businesses, to other people, to other dads, friends, people on social media. I don't do that anymore. The best thing I try to do is I compare myself. Am I, am I a little bit better than I was yesterday? And if I'm, and if I'm on that trajectory and I'm, and I'm trying to live life with a purpose and a passion, then that for me is fulfillment. Like that for me um, is everything that I've always been looking for. And I just, I can't wait to see what tomorrow brings. Brian, thank you for that message. And thank you for being my guest. Thank you so much, Jeff. I really, I truly appreciate uh, you giving me the opportunity to, to speak out and uh, tell my story. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.